was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Hi. This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. As Backstage Babble nears a year on the air, I will be airing some of the episodes that I think best describe what I've been trying to do with this podcast. Today, I am so honored to be joined by my guest, the legendary songwriter Alan Bergman. At the age of 95, he joins me to reflect on his amazing career, including penning songs for performers such as Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Barbara Streisand, and Michael Jackson, movies and TV shows such as Maud, Tootsie, Yentl, The Thomas Crown Affair, Sabrina, The Way We Were, including the famous title song, and E.T., and with composers such as Quincy Jones, Michelle Legrand, Johnny Mercer, Marvin Hamlish, and Cy Coleman. Some of his most famous pieces include The Windmills of Your Mind, Papa Can You Hear Me, and Nice and Easy. On Broadway, he wrote the lyrics for the musicals Something More and Ballroom, collaborating with Sammy Fain and Billy Goldenberg, respectively. So, without further ado, the legend himself, Alan Bergman. So I guess I wanted to start by asking you how your interest in music first began. <laughs> well, I started writing songs when I was very young. Oh. Well, 11, 12, 13 years old, somewhere in there. And I've been writing them ever since. Yeah. So um, what um, kind what? of music did you listen to at an early age that inspired you? Or? Well, <clears throat> six years old. In Brooklyn, <laughs> she was Jewish. She took piano lessons. I took uh, classical music, piano lessons, and from that I went into other lessons of, of music, learning theory and harmony and things like that. Oh. And I listened. What I listened to was that was the big era of the swing band. Yeah. So I listened to Benny Goodman and Tommy Dorsey, Glenn Miller, and also the music from Broadway. Yeah. So how did you sort of begin to get your start professionally as a lyricist? Oh, yeah. Well, I wrote uh, a couple of shows when I was in college. And um, when I went to graduate school, UCLA, I met a lot of songwriters. Oh. There's a group of songwriters here, and I started to write with some of them. Yeah. And who were some of the ones that you began to collaborate with? Uh, <clears throat> I began to collaborate early with a fellow by the name of Lou Spence. Oh, yeah. And then <clears throat> he introduced me to Marilyn. Oh. And then the three of us started to write together. And then we wrote a lot of songs with a man who had a great chorus on Columbia Records called Norman Luboff. 
And we wrote a lot of songs with Norman. And then we started to write with a lot of other people. Yeah. After that. So when you first met um, Marilyn Bergman, were you songwriting partners first or husband and wife first? Yeah, we started to write together in 1956. Yeah. And uh, we've been writing together ever since. <laughs> yeah. And what is it like to be collaborating with someone who is who you're also married to? And... Great. Yeah. You, don't have to, you don't have to make any appointments. So what what is the way in which you collaborate? Like, can you describe your collaboration? Well, we, we sit opposite each other. And it's like uh, pitching and catching. There's a, yeah. One is the creator and one is the editor. And those roles change within seconds, yeah. within minutes. And that's how we do it. Yeah. So um, where did you sort of study? I know you were mentioning UCLA. What was your sort of education like in music? Well, I went to school. I graduated. I got a Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of North Carolina. And then went to graduate school in music at UCLA. Yeah. And... What made you decide to move to Hollywood? Was it college or? Well, I met uh, I met when I was in graduate school. I met Johnny Mercer, the oh. great lyric writer, and he became a mentor of mine. Yeah. So uh, I had to go back east to work a little bit, but as soon as I could make enough money, I came back to California to really. Uh, be close to Mer Johnny Mercer. Yeah. And how do you think that you sort of developed your unique style as a lyricist? Well, that's interesting. What we wanted to do when Marilyn and I started to write together, which was the 60s, and we were not interested in, in writing records. We wanted to write songs in the, in a dramatic context, oh. and uh, so that's what we did. We listened and tried to emulate the great writers of that day, Johnny Mercer. I'm trying to think of um, Cole Porter, all those great people that we studied their music and and lyrics, Irving Berlin, Alan J. Lerner. And of course, Johnny Mercer. Yeah. And we're trying to emulate them. Yeah. So I would love to ask about your um, early collaboration with someone who performed a lot of your music, which was Frank Sinatra. And um, what was that? Well, in 1960, Frank was going to make an album of uh, uh, swinging, lightly swinging love songs. And he looked. He, his people got in touch with a lot of songwriters and said, we need a title song for this oh. uh, LP album. Uh, and many songwriters across the country tried to write one, and we wrote a song called Nice and Easy, yeah. which Frank uh, 
liked very much, and that became the title of it's the LP. Yeah. And then we wrote several, many songs for Sinatra after that. Yeah. And what was he like as, yes. as, as Oh, a, he was very nice to us. Very, he called us for kids. Oh. And uh, he really was <clears throat> very sweet to us. Yeah. And I do want to ask what it has been like for you over your career to sort of play songs for these singers and try to get them to sing them? Uh, well, we got lucky. We we, uh, we met Michelle Legrand, oh, and, yeah. uh, a great composer. And we started to write a great many things with Michelle. Yeah. And the first song we wrote with Michelle won the Academy Award. Yeah, yeah. Oh, called the windows of your mind. Yeah, and uh, and that was uh, very fortunate. That we and we kept writing with him until very recently when Michelle died. Yeah, uh, but we, we must be. Well, we met him in nineteen sixty-six, and so we with him for over fifty years. Yeah, yeah. And um, I do want to ask about another person, another singer who you worked with, which is uh, Dean Martin, around the same time. Oh, yeah. You know, interesting songs. And Frank, made a, Frank conducted an album that Dean did in which Dean sang a couple of songs about one that we had written for Frank called Sleep Warm. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course... You know, we've written over 66 or 67 songs that Barbara Streisand recorded. Yes, yeah. So, uh, which is very uh, fortunate for us because she's <laughs> the best singer in the world. Yeah, and I, I was just going to ask, actually, um, who is your favorite interpreter yeah. of your lyrics, since there are so many? Well, I think... Um, well, I think you mentioned two of them, Barbara, of course, Barbara, and, and Frank. Yeah. Wonderful interpretations of my song. Yeah. Sure. And how do you sort of craft a song that you're writing around the person you know will be singing it? Well, we know, okay, so Barbara and Michelle was a great melody writer, and we learned from Johnny Mercer as as often as you can uh, have the melody first. Oh, ninety yeah. percent of the time we write to the melody. Yeah, yeah. And I want to ask, um, what do you think makes a ideal composer to collaborate with? Well, one who writes wonderful melodies, and we were very yeah. lucky. Besides. Michelle, Dave Goosen, is yeah. a great melody writer. Marvin Hamish. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Let me see. John Williams. Yeah. The great John Williams. They write wonderful melodies where we feel that the words are on the tips of those notes and we have to find that exploration of me. Yeah. And how long do you find that it usually takes you to write the lyrics or to find the lyrics once you have them? Oh, that depends. That depends yeah. upon 
other things depend upon the dramatic context in which we write the song. What that, what those context demand. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's quicker than others, but we're not interested in how fast. We're interested in how good. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about the first Broadway show you wrote, which was something more with everything. Yeah. yeah, that was produced by a wonderful songwriter by Julie Stein. Yeah. Who called, called us. He had heard some songs of ours when we were very young and said, you have to write a Broadway show. Oh. And he put it together with Put it together with, <clears throat> with a wonderful songwriter by Nervous Famous Fane. Yeah. And we wrote that show. Starred uh, Barbara Cook, was the star of the show. Yeah. Wonderful singer. Wonderful singer. Yeah. And I want to ask how you would approach writing a song differently if it's for, say, a musical score than a movie score? How would you? Well, when you write a movie, song for a movie, you can't repeat what's on the screen. The images yeah. are too strong, and people that get bored, for instance, in uh, writing The Windmills of Your Mind, if we had written a song about flying a glider, as the song appeared, behind the scene where he, the Steve McQueen character was flying a glider. <laughs> People get bored. That's what they're looking at. Yeah. Uh, on Broadway stage, you can repeat what the action is that's going on. It's much more a long shot than it is a close-up, so to speak. Yeah. So I want to ask you, um, when you are writing a song for a movie, um, um, how much of the movie or the script do you usually get to see first before you? Well, we certainly read the script. In a lot of cases, we do get to see the movie. Yeah. Or at least the scene in which the song would appear. Yeah. And do you find that people usually have a pretty clear idea of what kind of song they want, or is that usually well, like... Well, we were lucky also because we had great directors to work with who understood the use of, of music and song yeah. in a film. Norman Jewison, Sidney Pollack, Mark Rydell, yeah. Richard Brooks, they all understood the use of songs and how it could be the extension of their screenplays. Yeah. And I would love to ask about your experiences with the Academy Awards because you've won and been nominated so many times. <clears throat> well, you know, people, uh, we were, we did have a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make the song any better. What it does for the song, if you're nominated, or if you win, it's a great platform for, for the song. People get to understand and hear it many times. 
Yeah. So it gives a certain popularity to the song. I want to ask about um, one more singer who I know we were mentioning some earlier, but one that people want to know about, I think, is Fred Astaire. Who? Oh, yeah. Well, he's, he, <clears throat> people don't know this, but he's one of the great singers. Yeah. You know, the, the great, the, the most important composers and lyricists wrote for him. The Gershwins, Harold Allen and Johnny Mercer. Uh, Irving Berlin, they all wrote for Fred Astaire because he was a great interpreter. Yeah. Marvelous. And we were lucky. Uh, I was going with Mal, and before we got married, I didn't have enough money for an uh, engagement present. Oh. And Fred Astaire was, in those days was her favorite singer. So Lou Spence and I, when we were writing together, he was going out with a girl. We decided to write a song. And I said, let's write it in the, in the style of Fred Astaire, which we oh. did. And when we finished the song called That Face, we, I don't remember how, but we got it an appointment with Mr. Astaire and uh, <clears throat> played the song for him. He said, you know, I'll listen, but I don't sing anything that's not in a movie. Oh. And uh, we said, well, we understand. He said, but I love songwriters, and I'll listen. He listened to the song, and he said, I'm going to record this next week. I love it. Wow. That's how that happened. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask about something else that you've done a lot is write TV themes for shows like Maud and Alice. So what do you think is the art to creating a great TV theme? Television themes have to be, they have to encapsulate in, in 45 seconds because that's all the time you have to tell you what this, this television show is going to be about who the characters are and so forth. That's the assignment. And uh, we wrote quite a few of those. Yes. More in good times, a lot of others. And they're fun. And also, I mean, you get to get, you have a, they're doing a song of yours. You're getting a performance once a week. Yeah. Which is really nice. Yeah. And um, which one of those shows did you find it sort of hardest to write a theme for or to encapsulate? Like? Which one was the most difficult? Well, we wrote, before we showed it to Norman Lear, who also was a producer who understood the use of music. Yeah. Uh, we wrote three or four different versions of more till till we played the one we liked for him. <laughs> but good times came kind of easily. Uh, and then we wrote the kind of girl she is. There's a new girl in town. But a lot of themes for, for television. Yeah. And I want to ask how you usually get asked to or end up writing a song for a movie or a TV show. How we um, get asked? 
Yeah. Well, the, the director usually calls and said, I want you to read the script, or, I, or I've just finished the movie, I'd like you to come and look at it. I wanted this a couple of places for songs. It comes from the director. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what movie that you've written songs for has been your favorite? Well, lots of them. You know, besides the windows, the way we were. Yeah. Uh, getting it to write for Barbara for a movie that's a big a thrill and a great challenge. Yeah. And uh, we love to write, so. Yeah, yeah. So I would love to ask um, specifically about a song that I you wrote, which I'm... is, um, Papa, Can You Hear Me? From? Yes. Yeah. Well, that, you know, that was a great experience for Mal and I and Michelle Legrand to yeah. write the score for Yento. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Papa, Can You Hear Me is one of the songs. She leaves her home. Her father has died. She dresses in his clothes yeah. and runs away. And the first night she's in the forest alone, frightened, and lights a candle and sings the song to her father. And there again is an example of a great composer. We don't never told Michelle what we were going to write, we told him the situation, and he had also read the script, yeah. and he knew what kind of song should be, and what kind of melody should be written, and he wrote the melody, put us the melody, that was it, and we came up with Papa, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask if in your long career writing songs, ha have you ever used sort of trunk lyrics or? No. Oh, no. No, we don't do that. Yeah. We don't have much of a trunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know you were saying that at the beginning you were focused more on writing sort of songs with stories. And do you still think that that's like, that's what you enjoy doing the most, even for a standalone song is? Absolutely. Yeah. Unless we get a great melody. We have composers like Dave Goosen and many composers who come to the house. Uh, Johnny Mandel, for instance. Yeah. And they would play a melody for and say, what do you think? And if we loved the melody, which we usually did, we said, leave it here. Because melodies have context. So you mentioned Barbara Streisand a few times earlier, but I would like to ask about also working with her as a writer, as I know she is a co-writer of some of the, some of the songs. No, we, I think we only wrote one song. She, not with us, she has written with a lot of other people. There's only one song. I can't remember what the title of it is at the moment. But she's very gifted, very talented, and uh, always has a suggestion or two. Yeah. Uh, but Have... she's not a writer in that sense. Yeah. 
So have you ever offered a suggestion to a composer about music, or do you sort oh, of... Oh, sure. Yeah. Both of us play piano. Both oh. of us are, are, are musicians. Yeah. And yeah, of course. What happens is that you do this or that melodically, and they always listen. Yeah. And either accept it or not. So you were mentioning that you both have composer-like talents as well. What do you think was the reason that you decided to do lyrics as your main main focus? Because the, uh, the composers that we work with wrote much better melodies. Yeah. So um, I want to ask about the other Broadway show you did, which was Ballroom, if that's... Yes, well, that was originally... The first musical written for television, oh. uh, which it won all of us, uh, everybody, Maureen Stapleton, who was the star, Charles Durney, yeah. uh, the writer, Jerome Cass. Uh, we, we all won Emmys for it. And, uh, and then he called us. Michael Bennett called from Barbara said, I don't want to make a Broadway show out of it. Oh. And uh, so it became a Broadway show. Not very successful. Yeah, yeah. And did you sort of like the changes that were made between the TV and Broadway? Or Well, we got a chance to write the more songs for it. Yeah. Uh, a song that became a very... Uh, popular with <clears throat> Broadway singers, uh, the 11 o'clock number was yeah. 50%, which yeah. a lot of people do. That was not on the, in the television show. And what I want to ask you um, a little bit more about Michael Bennett, because he was such a great director. Well, we had a difficult time, uh, but... But he he was very very gifted. Yeah, very. yeah, and then also on Billy Goldenberg, who you were writing. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. wonderful composer, who just recently died. Yeah. Uh, oh, he was wonderful. He wrote the television show, the music for television show, also. Yeah. So, I want to ask: Um, do you feel that you have more sort of free reign with writing when you're working on a movie, or? On Broadway? Uh, well, the restrictions for movies, are, they're more strict yeah. uh, than they are for Broadway. And, because uh, when you're writing a Broadway show, it's your choice of for whom you're writing, the characters and so forth. And when you're doing a movie, you're working on things created by other people. It's yeah. Different. So was there ever a um, time when you were planning to do another Broadway show that didn't happen, Mark? Yeah, we wrote a Broadway show. It hasn't gotten to Broadway yet. Oh. But we wrote a, <clears throat> a Broadway show with Cy Coleman about yeah. jazz. Yeah. Uh, and Ron and I and <clears throat> several composers, we did a, a show, a 
theater piece out here that oh. we hope one day we'll get to Broadway. Oh, that would be that would be great. Yeah. Um, and I want to ask, um, you have worked with so many great composers and singers, but is there anyone that you either would still like to work with or wish that you had had the chance to work with? Oh, I don't know. we would have loved to have written with uh, so many, you know, yeah. Harold Dahl and people like that, wonderful composers. Yeah. It's a long list. <laughs> Yes. Were there any composers who you also had collaborations with that songs that didn't end up getting released that we might not? I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah. Well, I'm still writing now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, with some really, I have many melodies of Michelle Grant that haven't been written yet. Oh. That I, that I look forward to writing. So I would also love to ask about um, Michael Jackson, who also performed one of your songs. Yeah. And he? He was very, very talented. We had a very good time with him with that song. But you know, primarily one of the great dancers. Yeah. So. Um, will you ever sort of offer a suggestion of any kind to a performer who's performing your songs, or do you feel that that's not? Usually they ask. Yeah. Yeah. And then you discuss it. If they want to know what, what uh, particular word you would like stressed or something. Yeah. But usually they ask. Sometimes they don't. People like Barbara don't have to ask them. I mean, they know yeah. how to do it. Yeah. And what have been some of the most memorable um, recording sessions that you've done? Or that you've Well, the, the recording sessions for all the songs for Yeto was truly memorable. And the way we were. Yeah. Yeah. What would you do if you had to sort of write for someone, let's say either on Broadway or in a movie, who wasn't a great singer or wasn't a singer by nature? How would that? Well, then you, you, uh, then the composer and the lyrics get together and see that it's not too difficult a melody. Yeah. <laughs> then to, uh, yeah. You know, to get through. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you often sort of perform your songs as you're writing them or after you've written them to test them well, out? Well, in the writing, we finish eight bars, I sing the eight bars. Yeah. The most important thing about a lyric is function of the lyric is that it sings. Yeah. You have to sing on those notes. The choice of a word Sometimes you would like to use a word, but it doesn't sing. Yeah. So you don't use it. You have to find another one. Do you prefer to be in a room with the composer that you're working with, or? Well, usually we're not in the room together. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, depending upon how fast somebody needs something, the composer has to be there. But usually we have some. We have the melody. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how often have you had to sort of turn down offers to write a song or projects? or? We do if we don't like the movie or if we don't like <clears throat> the project to begin with. We yeah. don't want to spend our time doing that. Yeah. So I would also love to ask about the inspiration behind maybe your most famous song, The Way We Were. Well, that was a, was a book yeah. first. Then it was a screenplay, then a movie. And was, I think it's the only song that we were given the title. Oh. We know. We, usually all the songs that we wrote, it's their art title. Yeah. It's our title. This was, we had the title. And the song had a function in the movie. It took you, the first time you hear it, it took you back into times of corridor, back into when they were in college together, these two people. And the second time you hear it, is at the movie, at the end of the movie, when they meet quite by accident. Yeah. And uh, it brings back again the memories of their life together years before this song had a function in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Besides being the first song of the movie. And how do you usually come up with a title if you don't have a title? <laughs> well, the title sometimes is you get a, an idea about you want to write a song about this subject or that character, and that suggests, hopefully, a title. Yeah. I do want to ask about another composer you worked with, which was Henry Mancini. Yeah, he's wonderful. Yeah. Really, he's a terrific composer. As I said, we were very lucky. Yeah. There's people like Hank. And, and I would love to ask um, what the, or when the idea was or the impetus was for you to do your own album of singing your songs. Which... Yeah. Well, somebody came up, <clears throat> a record producer, heard me sing. At the 92nd Street Y. Oh. We did the series called Lyrics and Lyricists. And he uh, said, I want to make an album. I said, okay. So he went to, uh, <clears throat> went to Germany. He was German. And we made the album in Germany. Yeah. And it did quite well. Yes, yes. So, um, which ones of your songs are your favorites to sing? Oh, so I said I can sing well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some songs sound better in my voice than others. Yeah. I just choose the ones that hopefully sound okay. <laughs> and was singing or recording an album something that you'd ever considered before? No. No, yeah. No, because uh, before that, I sang very rarely in public. Yeah. But people liked the way I sang and would <clears throat> request that I do more. So, so I, after the album, I started to do singing in some clubs and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, I want to ask, Lily, do you find that it's usually you or Marilyn Bergman when you're collaborating who has the sort of starting point idea, or is it usually different? We never know who comes up with fire. <clears throat> it doesn't matter. We, the dramatic context in which we're writing, we discuss it and see if there's an idea that we both like. Yeah. And, uh, but we never know who wrote what. Yeah. And what have been some of your sort of proudest ideas for songs that you've had or favorite? Well, uh, songs that, that had, that were challenges to write, for instance, like, What Are You Doing the Rest of Your Life? Yeah. That song, um, the director said, I'm writing a script. And I want this song that I want you to write. The song will appear in the movie twice. The first time, it's these two people are very much in love. They're graduating from college and they're going to get married. And there's a love sequence. And I want that to be in the song heard the first time in the back of this love montage. Says, but the second time you hear the song, it's 16 years later. They're married. The wife has become an alcoholic, and the husband is a workaholic. And she decides to leave her husband and their 16 year old daughter, never to come home again, leaving. And she goes to a favorite bar, lines up the martinis, goes to the jukebox, says it. You hear the same song, says, but it has to mean something entirely different. It has to be ironic the second time you hear the song. So that this was, so we had to find a way to do that. And the second time we hear that song in the movie, she's drinking, she left her husband and her daughter, never to go home again, and you hear, what are you doing the rest of your life? Yeah. It means entirely something. So that's one of our favorites, because it was a challenge to figure out how to do that. So I would love to ask two sort of concluding questions. The first is, how do you think that sort of Hollywood and Hollywood music has changed from when you started to now? Well, now, most of the music in Hollywood, now the songs are either end titles, they're mostly end title songs, and they, they have not, some of them have nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. They just want to sell records. And then the the very last question I want to ask you is, after so many legendary years as a songwriter, um, what advice would you want to give to someone just starting out? Well, I'd say listen to the songs of the great writers, Irving Berlin, Cole Porter, the Gershwins, Johnny Mercer, Howard listen to the Yip Harburg, listen to those great writers. Yeah. Uh, as to how to write and, and read two two books that Stephen Sondheim has written. Oh, fantastic books! 
Yeah. And, uh, but listen to those great writers. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's been an honor to talk to you. Oh, my pleasure. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. And remember to come back next time when I am joined by Tony nominee Brandon Maggart. He received that Tony nomination for the role of Buzz Richards in Applause. But as an integral part of Broadway's Golden Age, he also appeared in Lorelei, Kelly, New Faces of 1968, We Interrupt This Program, Musical Chairs, and One Night Stand. Off-Broadway, he appeared in Sing Muse, Potholes, Wedding Band, Put It in Writing, and Like Other People. And he toured with How's a Poppin' and in The Best of Burlesque with Sherry Britton. On screen, you may have seen him in the original cast of Sesame Street, the films Pearly, Dress to Kill, Christmas Evil, and The World According to Garp, and the hit sitcom Brothers, among many other projects. He is also the author of several popular memoirs, which you can find on Amazon, and you won't want to miss this conversation. Thank you for listening.